listening to Integrating Sacred Wisdom podcast. Remember that you are water. Cry, cleanse, flow, and let go. Remember that you are fire. Purify, tame, adapt, ignite. Remember that you are air. Observe, breathe, focus, decide. Remember that you are earth. Ground, nurture, build, heal. Remember Remember that you are spirit. Connect, listen, know, be still. And we are your hosts. I am Kelly Hauk, shamanic practitioner, psychologist, and licensed massage therapist, founder of Sacred Arts Sanctuary in Sedona, Arizona, and Sedona Heart Space Retreats. And I'm Anna Marstanovich, founder of High Desert Healing, Massage and Bodywork, and co-founder of Heart Space Retreats. I'm Emily Kate, an intuitive empath, tarot reader, and energy worker currently offering sessions out of the Center for the New Age in Sedona, Arizona. I'm Matthew David Cummings with Purify by Fire and Above So Curio. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's episode of Spirits and Everything Paranormal. First, we have some news for you. We have a new host. This is Emily Kate. Hello, I'm an intuitive empath and energy worker here in Sedona, and I have over 10 years experience, and I am super grateful to be joining you guys. We are very happy to have you here, and um, Priscilla is just taking a little bit of a break. She has some stuff with her daughter at this time, so Emily will be taking over on her position. Welcome, Emily. Thank you. Hooray. And so um, we were kind of discussing a little bit on what... We wanted to talk about on this but since it is close to halloween we wanted to just touch base on just different things like spirits and paranormal um one of the subjects that came up was our last episode that we tried to record that ended up never airing was on spirits and uh, it was a very interesting experience because of the fact that there was a lot of paranormal things happening while we were recording this episode and um, just some interesting stuff that happened with Matt while he was at work that he accidentally took with him to the podcast. Well, it wasn't really an accident. Um, <laughs> so I have the opportunity of conversing with a lot of people uh, on the paranormal uh, in my position. And uh, I had a customer come in who had a tarot deck that um, had some interesting properties attached to it and uh, she was very scared Um, she didn't know what to do with it because she didn't want to give it to anyone uh, because she was afraid something was going to happen to them and she didn't want to be responsible for that so uh, since I have a bit of a background in it I um, took possession and, uh, you know, I, I warded it and, and did all sorts of precautions. And it just so happened that uh, that night we were recording a podcast. Uh, and it was on spirits, no doubt. So um, I left it out in the car. You know, it was all wrapped up and, and protected and stuff. But apparently that was not enough to stop it from um, kind of wreaking havoc on our podcast recording 
Yeah, I remember um, during the podcast, I kept hearing a lot of different um, sounds coming through the headphones while we were working. And um, we were inside Priscilla's office and um, I kept looking outside and I kept seeing something standing in front of the door. And um, it was definitely interesting. It sounded like just various different sounds coming through. And I remember taking the headphones off and not hearing it outside the headphones I think, Anna, you said that I looked like I seen a ghost or something at that time. Yeah, we were all watching you, you know, having this reaction. And I think Priscilla was talking. So we were, <laughs> Anna and I were looking at you, wondering what was going on. We thought something, you know, was wrong with the recording um, or the equipment. And uh, yeah, so I, yeah, what happened next? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because um, for some of you that already know me, um, I work a lot in shamanic journeying. And so I do a lot of travel, like astral travel and traveling through different dimensions. And I felt like I was starting to get pulled into a different dimension while we were doing that. It was like I was getting um, out of touch with the reality here and in touch with a different reality. So it was like almost pulling my energy out of my body at that moment. And I remember standing up just to kind of like see what was going on and then at that moment the entire podcast table had collapsed where I was sitting and everything that we were using to record just ended up falling on the ground and so it was interesting to like see that because it was like you know the legs were fine before that but then it just randomly collapsed yeah the table locks by the way Uh, it is a folding table but it locks you you literally have to manually release the legs and not to mention this was probably an hour maybe two into our recording so the table have been perfectly steady that entire time until that specific moment so there's definitely no accident you know she didn't bump it we all watched her stand up and yeah it was uh it was intense yeah that sounds intense what do you what do you guys think that was why do you think that happened well we did we did destroy the uh, tarot deck. Um, we went to a particular location uh, where we um, held a ceremony to um, release the tarot deck and um, anything that was attached to it. Um, we got confirmation that the entity that was um, kind of using it as its own source of energy uh was able to manipulate people's uh, realities uh, and distort them. Um, and so, you know, we have different guides and, and um, higher beings that, that we work with that, uh, that we can relay information to and get insight from and also um, kind of on the other side and, and higher dimensions kind of dissolve either, you know, the, the ties to certain objects and or people um, but um, in certain extreme circumstances to kind of you know break an entity's ability to uh, I don't know to to do anything ever again really Um, so that is what we had to do with it Um, I'm not sure that we ever got a specific name or anything Um, that really wasn't our purpose and uh, the ceremony it was mostly just to contain and dissolve the energies so that uh, it couldn't affect anyone else. 
Um, and, and also to release the person that initially had those decks. Yes. Because there was quite a few people linked to it. It seemed like it was handed down from generations. So there's quite a few people linked to it. And um, I will say that it was um, it was pretty powerful. Uh, you know, Kelly said that she kept seeing something outside and it sounded like the things were outside. So obviously it wasn't powerful enough to come in. Um, but it was able to do something through the electronics um, and, and to get in enough to where it uh, was, was affecting things physically. Uh, and of course, Kelly, um, men- mentally. And um, it, uh, we didn't have any other problems with it, really. That was the only instance where, where it lashed out. Um, and probably because it knew what we were going to do. You know, usually these things are outside of time, so... Um, they're experiencing our reality uh, in a different way than we are. Um, but I will say that I think I was most shocked that... So you think of a tarot deck, it's just a deck of cards. Um, and uh, it probably took three solid hours to burn. What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it had a green flame <laughs> and when a we green were burning flame, it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Which could have been the dye, but... I, or I mean, the you sulfur. Would... Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever experienced anything that that rejected a flame that much. Um, we were even using an accelerant as well, um, so to to have it take that long to burn, um, especially during you know a ceremony and everything where that was it, our specific intent was to release that. Uh, it was, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was different. So it was definitely trying to protect itself, um, from having that, that connection, uh, broken. Um, cause, uh, that was the, the physical manifestation of it. And like, we took care of a lot of the spiritual stuff before, uh, we even started burning it, I think. Um, and it still took that long to burn, so... Yeah, it was definitely pretty uh, resistant on releasing itself from it, that's for sure. Um, I remember as we were going out there, um, I could see, like, all sorts of different types of, like, spiritual teams, like, assisting with the process of, like, beings I don't normally work with or have ever encountered before, but it was almost like an entire army. I was seeing a lot of, like... Um, different cultured types of beings showing up to assist right. with it. It was yeah. very fascinating to see like who shows up during those times when you're doing some pretty intense clearings. So whatever was happening with that deck, it definitely um, had some pretty bad ties to it. So that person was good to give it off to Matt and have us destroy it. So they intuitively knew where to go. Yeah, it was weird. Um, I don't, the, the, the person who I took took it from um they didn't stick around i you know they were just kind of they weren't even staying here for a long time it was like it just everything happened in uh you know kind of a serendipitous sequence and that's kind of confirmation to me that i was supposed to take ownership of it um just for the way that it happened and um how they they showed up and and how the conversation started i was very out of the normal um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, p- 
please don't send me lots of things. To <laughs> <laughs> Matt is not to, discarding not of your sacred items that <laughs> yeah. need to be destroyed. I, yeah, I, um, I'm not Ed and Lorraine Warren. I don't want to. I don't want to start a a haunted uh, museum or anything like that. Um, but you, you know, I can't deny uh, when when spirit has uh, brought me things on you know purpose. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't plan to do that often. <laughs> it was uh, it was labor intensive and uh, pretty intense, um, but I will do it if I need to. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't bring anything cursed today. Um, today, <laughs> not that I know of. Um, no, I've I've actually I've actually been. <laughs> so we're good. We're good. Actually... Hopefully, we're good to record this episode for the second time yeah. <laughs> without interruption yeah <laughs> well and, and kelly's wearing protection today too that was one of one of the things that we found the why it was able to connect to her um that time um for whatever reason that day um yeah she was not expecting to have you know an, an encounter so she there were no countermeasures in place and um and so then it became known, well, you know, if Matt's coming, then, you know, yeah, bring protection, right? Spiritual protection. So, yeah, nothing today. All is well, I hope. Yeah, I've kind of learned that even though we are just talking about things on a spiritual podcast, that um, even just talking about stuff can attract stuff in. So you just have to be mindful of it. So we do do a lot of ceremonies before we even start the podcast to make sure to create a protective barrier around it. And also um, what he means by protection is I wear certain types of um, like jewelry and things like that to help um, with certain protections and also lighting certain types of candles and stuff as well. Yeah, we'll probably do an episode maybe on talismans and charged objects, uh, medicine bags, things like that sometime. Yeah, good idea. And so we're getting close to um, Halloween, which is why we decided to go over this, because we're approaching the Day of the Dead, and um, this is when it's considered that the ward of um, the veil is becoming thinner, and a new ward will be placed after Halloween. And so usually around this time is when people will begin to start having a lot more paranormal experiences and experiences with past loved ones and... um, having just um bizarre encounters and so we should probably go into what the veil is um if anybody has any insight on that i you know i from my understanding and i'm by no means an expert um but the way i interpret the veil is just literally that it's like a dimensional curtain between between worlds, between realities. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it has to be super complicated. It's just, it is a veil. And then, you know, when we get close to that, the pagan new year or Samhain or Halloween or the day of the dead, it becomes thinner and communication with spirits and the spirit realm and our ancestors becomes easier and more graceful uh, during that time. And is it true that 
cats kind of always have a thinner mm. view of the veil. Yeah. I've heard that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, even in Constantine, what do you say? They're half in and half out. Half, yes, yeah. that's true. And he uses it to, to actually, you know, like, kind of astral travel himself into mm-hmm. uh, the underworld, so. That's right. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. it's... Um, it's, it's very really well done. Yeah. yeah. I also think about um, Harry Potter. I know we mention Harry Potter a lot, but we are millennials. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> when Siri, spoiler alert, but it's been like 15 years if you haven't seen the book, <laughs> if you haven't seen all the movies. When Sirius Black dies, mm-hmm. he goes past the veil, right? He kind of like falls back into and behind a veil. Yeah. That's kind of how I always see it mm-hmm. as this like thin kind of i don't know sliver this like nebulous thing that you know we can use to to look through to kind of converse with spirits or those who have passed yeah i think it kind of manifests in many different ways when you're trying to you know visualize it or experience it in literature there's lots of different things like emily said uh the curtain um or uh, I've heard it referred to as uh, like cobwebs almost. Um, and, and that can manifest itself uh, in, in like psychic visions and things as well. Um, so um, we're kind of moving, you know, ener- energy out of the way in order to see things more clearly. Um, so I've seen that myself and, and done that myself. And I think even... I think Tool uh, spoke on it, uh, one of the songs, or, or a couple of the songs, too, uh, about uh, how he's ex- experiencing energy. And um, I think, like, in his infancy, he's only seeing certain colors. Um, and then later on, as, you know, uh, he's seeing more and more. Um, and that's kind of uh, how I've always interpreted the veil as not it's not just one layer that you can just pull back and everything's revealed. It's kind of like this peering through uh, this layers of energy. And as, as you come to understand more and see more, you know, more leads to more. It's like following this, this tunnel almost that's uh, slowly revealing more and more to you. So basically, like whatever state of consciousness you are introducing yourself to with the veil energy or, you know, where you're at in general with your consciousness, that would, I feel, maybe determine what you would experience with that. Is that something you guys would agree with? Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. I have a, um, I have a... A quote here from uh, Manly P. Hall. Um, he's a pretty celebrated um, individual in the occult. Um, he uh, has written many books. Uh, he's well known for the uh, kind of having ties to the Freemason, Freemasonry. Um, but he speaks on all sorts of different subjects, um, a lot of it spirituality, but also kind of... Uh, the human experience and um so one thing that i put down for today was there are many levels of life which we cannot see 
which we cannot know, yet which certainly exist. There is a larger world, vast enough to include immortality. Our spiritual nature belongs to this larger world. If death is apparently an outward fact, immortality is an inner certainty. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Have you guys had any, does anything come to your guys's like mind of any experiences that you've had personally with maybe, you know, the, the veil being thin besides what you guys just talked about, what you talked about, like personal experiences in your life or visitations from loved ones that, that was important to you that was maybe not so spooky, but maybe important or, um, like gratifying with a continued, like a confirmation of a continued relationship with those on the other side. Um, not specific to this time of year when we're talking about the veil being thinner. Uh, I do notice, I do notice definitely a change kind of in the air and the atmosphere. Like it's, it's hard to really quantify into words how it does feel like something has shifted mm-hmm. during this time of year. And it's not just changing the seasons. The only way I could put it is like, it feels electric. Mm-hmm. Like the air feels electric. It feels alive. Um, it doesn't feel as dead or stagnant. And I don't know if it's just because autumn's my favorite season. Me too. Um, I don't particularly feel like I convene more with spirits during this time of year. I just feel more open, I guess. So maybe that does open me up to more of those experiences potentially. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. I think for me, um, just kind of growing up as like a, a medium and seeing spirits since a really young age, um i've the older i get the more i ward my house and the places that i sleep and um even if i'm sleeping in a random place at that time um and the reason for that is because you know i don't i don't like to have surprise visits when i'm trying to sleep and i don't like being woken up in the middle of the night and that used to be a frequent thing when i was younger and so um I have noticed that around this time of year, sometimes it's a little bit easier for people to come through and start talking to me. I know that like the other day, my mom had come through and she had passed about five years ago. And I know I mentioned this on a few episodes, but um, she used to come to me pretty often after she had passed, I think just as a way to make sure that I was okay and that my siblings were okay. She was always passing on messages and just talking to me I remember the moment that she had passed she had come into my room and she was um kind of just hovering over me and she was making a joke about feeling really free because she was out of her body um and so now it's different because it's like the visits aren't as frequent as far as like coming in as a spirit sometimes you know you'll get like a psychic download of information that your mom that my mom would give me but um she very particularly this week had come to my house and was like getting my cat to be a little ornery and he had knocked over um a shelf that's dedicated to her above my um desk in my house and 
it like knocked over her ashes, almost broke that. It broke the plate that I had used um, or that I had made with her before she had passed and just all sorts of stuff. Just everything was scattered all over the place. And I was like, <laughs> I tapped in and I'm like, mom, if you're trying to get my attention, just contact me why are you knocking everything over in my house and she's like you need to talk to your baby brother and I was like okay fine but I guess it was a good reason he had cracked his head open at work so she was worried about him and just kind of wanted me to check in but normally those things don't happen but she did pass around Halloween five years ago so that was also an interesting thing and it seems to be stronger usually around this time of year that she starts interacting a little bit more which maybe is why a lot of um, people celebrate the day of the dead and do a lot of tributes to their ancestors during this time what an experience i mean clearly the line of communication is wide open between you and your mom i mean yes the 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 veil is thinning but it's a nice confirmation just you know if if she needs to get something across to you she's going to yeah pretty much even if it's agitating my cat exactly (laughs) and so um I don't normally work a lot with like ancestors or spirits other than like high frequency beings except for like a few helper spirits that I work with when I need to do some of the um clean up work work, the heavy work that (laughs) me and Matt do Um, so there are particular beings that I will work in that aren't high frequency beings that um, tend to be helpful for those things and when I mean high frequency usually like angelic beings or certain gods and goddesses um, all of those things so sometimes I'll call in other help that aren't of those so those are typically though the ones that I encounter I don't usually work a whole lot with spirits So does anyone anyone really know the true story of Halloween? I know it kind of ties into um, the Celtic pagan holiday of Samhain. And I believe that's also where we get the idea of dressing up as scary ghouls and goblins. I think, and don't quote me on this, I think the belief back then stemmed from them believing that the veil was thinner so that spirits could get through. You know, malevolent spirits is what they mm. thought, so that they would dress up as something equally as ghoulish and ghastly to scare them off. Kind of like, you know, gargoyles are supposed to scare off, you know, ghouls and ghosts and demons and things like that. Have you guys heard anything about that? I have. I've actually heard exactly what you just described. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a deterrent, like, you know, trying to fit into that, you know, looking like them so that they don't come after you per se. Oh, right. So they think, oh, you're one of us. We'll leave you alone. Right. We'll go mess with someone else. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which they actually kind of touched on in, uh, I know I quote movies all the time, and I apologize. But if you're a movie buff, um, in Hocus Pocus. Mm -hmm. Um, So when they come back, the witches come back, it's on Halloween, and they see everyone else in costume, and they think they are the things that they're dressed up as um, because they have no idea that it's you know 300 years later and that people are dressing up um so that's kind of a good i don't know kind of confirmation of that that psychology behind that happening uh, i mean if you were brought back for whatever reason 300 years later you wouldn't realize i don't know i don't know what your state of consciousness would be on the other side so i guess <laughs> it would be subjective <laughs> i mean i would think that 
uh, a spirit would be able to see right through you, but mm-hmm. who knows? And now, I mean, it's shifted. We don't dress as exclusively scary True. things. You know, right. people dress as angels or or princesses or tacos or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, and scare off the tacos, okay? Yeah. The tacos. Well, I don't want to scare them off. Come to me, <laughs> taco spirits. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know that, um, I know that the reason we do like trick or treating to kind of, I think there are multiple things that are, are, are drawn in in order that started that trend. But, uh, at least for the day of the dead, um, they, it was to give offerings, um, to leave offerings, um, to past loved ones or to the spirits that are, are traveling, um, to yeah to either honor them or to um let them accept an offering outside your house um so that they wouldn't come in um so again so the uh, the thinning of the veil and and to appease the spirits um so that they wouldn't mess with you um but then it also grew to you know in that offering is an honor to your ancestors as well. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure how it got to, I, I remember reading a couple different things that I can't remember clearly. Um, but there used to be groups that would go around uh, knocking on doors and I'm not sure which, uh, not sure which culture that started in, but I think that came after uh, the the whole integration of the day the dead part. But knocking on the door, I think, was a different culture. Scandinavian, I want to say like Finnish. Didn't they knock on doors, or was that during Christmas? I know some of the oh, one of the Scandinavians like yeah, they knock right. and ask for books or something, right? I think that yeah, that may have been Christmas. Which just sounds great. Yeah, I would love books <laughs> yeah. over candy. That's the adult version, yes. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> although I like candy too. Well, I rem- I remember reading that they would the kind of uh, the poor or like the young the or- the orphans would would go around um, and they would ask for. Um, it would, it would kind of be like a, like a night of, you know, just chaos and, and, uh, and debauchery almost, you know, like that all all the kids would run wild. And, um, so they would knock on the door and that's kind of where trick or treat came from. So that if you answered the door and you gave them something, um, they wouldn't mess with your property or something like that. Um, but I can't remember why or who or how that started. Hmm. Where did the history of the jack-o'-lantern come from? Because I know that's another popular one with... Well, I know it, I know it wasn't pumpkins originally. Uh, it was uh, gourds. Um What's a gourd? So a gourd is kind of like uh, a melon, um, but they're when they're dried, they become very hard. Um, they're similar to pumpkins, but y- in a different way. Yeah. Actually, it's 
turnips. Turnips. <laughs> there. Oh, yes. Yeah, you're right. I just looked it up. Um, it says in Ireland, people started to carve demonic faces out of turnips to frighten away Jack's wandering soul. Who's Jack? I have to Google that. <laughs> Um, when Irish immigrants moved to the U.S., they began they began carving jack-o'-lanterns for pumpkins, as these were native to the region. So, of, so same thing. They were trying to scare yeah. away whatever they considered ghoulish with something equally as ghoulish. Yeah. So again, appeasing the spirits mm-hmm. or tricking them. Well, and the Day of the Dead also is not um, anything that is supposed to be like scary or anything like that. I know um, I've been working on initiating into Celtic shamanism as of lately, and they talk about this as like new beginnings. And so it's actually in the Celtic tradition, um, the witch's new year on October 31st to November 1st, and that during this time, you... um, you pay your respects to the dead and you also plant your intentions so that come spring it can come out and um, bloom. And so they consider it to be a little strange that most people celebrate the new year on January when everything is already dead and dormant. Um, And so they don't think that's a good time to start it, that it's a good time to start on the 31st when things are just now getting to that process where yeah. it's ready to transition into that area. And um, they always start their um, calling in the four corners with the north, and they consider the north to be bringing in that ending so that new beginnings can come. So I thought that was very interesting. That feels better to me than January 1st for a new year. And maybe we should start adopting it as a new year here. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, little... I know, I don't know how, I remember researching the calendars back when I was, um, I don't know, it, exploring different religions and such. Um, but yeah, I, I know that we have changed our celebratory um, days and, and things and adopted them in a lot of you know, Roman and, and Greek have adopted uh, pagan things, but it, it's not just that. It goes into the actual seasons and the counting of the days and how we, I don't know. It uh, So, yeah, we've all, we've screwed everything up <laughs> <laughs> like we usually do. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a good reason for it, um, but I, I haven't found any good positives um, when I've looked at it. Um, you know, we're not following lunar cycles. Uh, we're hardly following, um, you know, sun rotations and things like that. I, you know, I don't even know like how time is broken down anymore into days. Anyway, we're getting off topic. I'm getting off topic. Sorry. <laughs> well, didn't someone say like the Mayan calendar was more accurate than the ones that we have? It was more accurate because it dealt in a longer period of time as change uh, before a change. But yeah, but it would be based on a different structure because then... Was it connected with like the procession of the equinoxes? See, and that's one thing that I I don't know why we don't acknowledge celestial thing. I think it's to 
disconnect us from connecting it can to, be, yeah. to anything where we're pulling people out of being in servitude uh, are, uh, when they connect to the astral realms and, and celestial bodies and things like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, because then there's the Julian cal- calendar, uh, and I know that the the Julian calendar also is something that um, you know uh, that is used in in high magic too, because it's uh, a little bit closer to the original um, understandings of of you know the days and the cycles. Um, but I don't know. Well, speaking of time, I guess it doesn't really matter what time of year when it comes to all things paranormal, whether it's ghosts or spirits, cryptids. Um, I mean, as we can see, at least in America, um, the paranormal is such a hot thing right now with television shows and investigations. Um, it's it's kind of a, in a way, it's refreshing to see the larger collective consciousness being uh, more open to, um, like, looking into things paranormal. Um, I know for me, I've always, I've always been attracted to, like, paranormal investigations and ghost hunting, and even though sometimes I get kind of scared, you know. Um, but it's always been something that has always interested me. I think I was interested in it a while ago, and then it kind of just slowly fade out, just because I think when you're constantly pestered by spirits, you're like, you know, I don't need to go get a little device and, like, confirm that they're there. It's it's just annoying after a while. But yeah. I know my brother does um, paranormal investigations. He has a TikTok channel for it, and he's super into it. And I've gone with him over to, like, haunted sites, and we've done paranormal investigations together and recorded it and stuff. And there's some cool stuff. I've even actually heard my mom's voice through recording once, which was interesting. So he's got some pretty cool clips on that. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I don't think I think it's interesting for me. I mean, yeah, uh, I I see spirits, talk to them, medium, all that stuff. But um, I'm still interested in it because uh, it's for me. It's getting proof to give to people who can't understand it. Um, so yeah, it's always looking for that like way to give the you know unaware person um an experience that will help them better understand or prove it to them or even the skeptic as well i was just about to say what do you what do you say to the skeptic is it just that they haven't had the opportunity to be proven that those sort of things exist it's a good question it is a great question you know when it comes to like spiritual awakening or spiritual experiences and paranormal connections i i do feel like you in order to move from that spectrum of skeptic to believer sometimes it's i don't think it's just black and white i think that maybe some some people have little like breadcrumbs they follow breadcrumbs like oh yeah that noise was unexplainable or 
Or then, you know, there's others where they'll listen to an EVP, electronic voice phenomena, and they'll, like Kelly, you said, I heard my mom's voice. They'll hear a loved one's voice say a specific word that only they knew, and then boom, they're a believer. So I think it's, it isn't a black and white, are you a skeptic to a believer? I think it's, it varies from each experience. I think you have to be skeptical, um, just in general, um, in order to better discern, um, you know, uh, how people are coming across authentically. Um, and, but it's your own personal experiences that will help you authenticate others. And, um, so you can still be a believer and a skeptic, if that makes any sense. I mean, it, it definitely does. Um, I've always been quite skeptical of people that claim to like offer tours for things and like um especially like the ufo tours and stuff but i have, have had in, one on i them? have been them on them yeah huh. um so i remember once going on a ufo tour and um these people were great and i won't mention any names or anything but i remember we were sitting outside outside of a place out here bradshaw ranch which is like a very high activity place not only spiritually but also with just activity on ufo stuff and um i will confirm as a medium that place definitely has very high activity over there um there's a particular tree over there that has like a portal and um, it's a very strong, energetic place. It almost makes you a little nauseous to be there. Um, it's kind of like going into a, um, like an antique shop, that feeling that you would get, mm-hmm. especially if you're super sensitive to energies, antique shops. It just is a little disorienting. Um, I can confirm that it is currently been obtained by the government. Bradshaw Ranch, you mean? Yep. Yeah, um, they have cameras around it um, facing in, not outwards. So even Mm -hmm. though they have security cameras, it's facing the actual building. Um, But we had sat outside there on one of the tours and we had used um, infrared goggles to help see um, the spaceships if they were to come. But I remember everyone getting excited because they were seeing some type of light showing up. But apparently with infrared goggles, if you face each other with it or like cross where each other are looking, you can actually see some type of light that's kind of beaming from your goggles. Mm. And so we had confirmed that that was actually just the goggles making that. But Like a flare. Yeah, kind of like a flare. Mm. Um, so, you know, although they had good intentions and things like that, you, you kind of see that sometimes people will hype things up and... Um, Sometimes it's not paranormal activity. It's just uh, maybe our goggles just crossing over each other. So, <laughs> <laughs> Or it's, it, it can be, you know, technologies that we're not aware of yet that are actually man-made. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure which tour you went on, um, but there is one that um, I, through my position, I have to speak on regularly. Um and I do know that they will teach you uh, specifically what you're seeing, what to look for, um, the differences between what is uh, UFO, um, what is paranormal, what is military, and what is satellite. 
Um, so there's going to be different levels of the tours, I think. Um, the one that I have to speak on has been operating for over 15 years. Uh, was the original uh, tour in Sedona. Uh, I believe it was the first tour of its kind in Sedona. And uh, it is run by uh, an individual that um, is very experienced, is a ufologist and a keynote speaker in all the conventions around the country, uh, as well as had personal experiences and... Um, has been featured uh, in Ancient Aliens, um, Gaia TV, uh, multiple documentaries, like uh, the I think the most recent one is uh, Inconvenient Truth. Um, so, yeah. Um, so basically it, what you're saying is she knows her shit. <laughs> well, yeah, but not just that. I mean, I think there are groups out there that are going to try to take advantage of that may be less experienced. Um, so just do your research before you, you go out, um, if you choose to do so. Yeah. You're saying they sensationalize it. Yeah. Because it's more or of take an advantage. entertainment yeah, aspect. Yeah, it's an entertainment thing, yeah. 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 So yeah. then as a, as a skeptic or a believer, just use your awareness and discernment and trust your decisions and, um, yeah, follow, follow, I guess, long-term reviews and experts. Yeah, especially when it comes to technology and um, devices like like EVPs, I think a lot of them can be explained by pareidolia. You know, yeah, yeah, pareidolia or radio waves or whatever. You know, Absolutely. picking up something um, that's not of a paranormal or supernatural nature. Mm -hmm. And there are some, I mean, that are pretty hard to debunk. You know, and and usually it's relatively. Well, I wouldn't say easy, but I you'll know you can you can hear or sense or, or due to the circumstances you'll you'll know the ones that are more legitimized. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. A lot of the the radio signals and and things that a lot of the ghost boxes and things that are out now, I can definitely tell um, that yeah, they're just picking up on different you know transmissions and things that are coming through but there is still a phenomenon to study there because sometimes those things are relevant um to this to the situation so is it the things that are relevant that are coming through those frequencies um in the moment is is that not a kind of a paranormal phenomena or is that just um high expectations <laughs> I mean your own expectations for it I, I don't know well again I think it has to go back to that personal experience you know what what specific questions are you asking and are certain keywords coming through that only maybe you would know or you and your group that you're with would know um, yeah how, like, how like detailed it Ouija is boards yeah. you know that's that's another way of, of I guess speaking to the dead and, yeah you know often people like to like to say it's just you know, the person moving the planchette or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I used to think that too. Um, I used to think that of pendulums as well, that mm -hmm. it's just the practitioner moving it. And, you know, maybe they are on a and subconscious level. It is to a degree because is, yeah. we are the conduit. Yeah, the I channel. Mean, it, it's not going to do anything without our involvement. So right. in a way, yeah, we are the ones moving it or controlling it. But, I mean, again, 
we are also the ones having the experiences, though we are the mediums, the uh, the conduits, the channels, um, the psychics, the intuitives. You know, all of those things are all conditioned on us. It's not. Uh, it, it wouldn't happen in the way that it happens without us. So, um, I don't know. So I have a, a specific question about skeptics uh, aimed at Emily. Do you ever have skeptics come to you to kind of change their mind about certain <laughs> things with relation to, I don't want to say the paranormal, but yeah. the spiritual side of things? Yeah, um, I do get skeptics, you know, uh, a little bit about what I do. I'm an intuitive reader. So I, I like to sit with my clients and do an intuitive scan first to let them know what I'm feeling from them without using cards or any tools. And if there's a skeptic that is getting a session, um, more times than not, they're like, oh, wow. <laughs> How did you know that? How did you pick that up? Um, sometimes one of like, some of my favorite experiences that I've had with skeptics is, and I don't claim to be an actual medium who speaks to those who've crossed over, but when they want to come through, they come through. And I've had it happen multiple times with people who are skeptics and they're like, how did you know that my mom and I went to this place and we picked up this souvenir and now it's on my shelf or whatever or even animals I get animals all the time coming through for people uh, that have crossed over so it's really uh, a rewarding experience not like oh I knew things but more so uh, to see somebody's heart and mind and consciousness in that moment open and even heal you know, because sometimes I feel like the skepticism is just the grief, maybe blocking mm -hmm. um, them wanting to even look at the idea that there's something more than this 3D current, quote unquote, timeline. Um, so it's it's not that I like to invite skeptics because I'm not always right. You know, I'm not the end all be all. Um, but it is sometimes one of my most favorite experiences because it's so rewarding to see that that being rewarding for them does that make sense yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. i had found with a lot of skeptics because i think um especially working in the spiritual field like you get a lot of people that do that whole like prove it to me type of thing which is interesting to like encounter because it's like do you expect like a rabbit in a hat trick yeah. like what are, well what are you my response to that is e, that's not how this works you know that's that's at least that's not how i work you know and if you're you're looking for a, a circus show or something then you're you're talking to the wrong person you know yeah, yeah. Like you're, you're gonna get out of it what you put into it so if you're putting into it that you want it to be proven to you um, you know, whatever your expectations are, it, they probably aren't going to be met. <laughs> if you come into it with an open mind, you might be surprised. Yeah. Like you don't have to come into it like I'm, prove it to me, like you said, Kelly, or, or believe me, but just that open-mindedness is like literally the key that unlocks the gateway. Like for me, between my client or clients, it's like our heart's, 
our hearts are connecting. It's the heart portal that opens us out of the mind space, which is which traps us in that ego, you know. So when I'm creating that sacred space for my clients, I always have them bring their energy into their heart space, whether they're a skeptic or a believer or not, and just focus on your heart space. And that opens up the portal between communication of our higher selves or loved ones or guides or whatever that is. Absolutely. And we use um, heart space connection a lot in the light spectrum shamanism. And I get a lot of people who definitely feel skeptical about stuff, but willing to try a lot of our light spectrum shamanism work because um, everybody's experience is going to be different because it's how you're connecting to spirit when you are in these spaces because all we are doing is facilitating a place where you are um, in a relaxed state of mind in that theta brainwaves and able to connect to your higher consciousness and start channeling through information for yourself and so we just simply assist you in your own process of that channeling and so usually naturally any spirits that need to come through um, tend to come through during that time and so a lot of people it's it's beautiful to see that they connect to a loved one who had passed and be able to get some stuff resolved when they were completely skeptical in the beginning of it I know and I had a beautiful experience over the weekend with a group of ladies that we had worked with where they were getting a lot of connection. Yes, yes I was going to mention that. Um, I, I'm new to practicing shamanic journeying, light spectrum shamanism is what we call it. And as Emily mentioned, we do have the client connect to their heart space as well to retrieve whatever answers they're looking for. And for this specific client that I was doing the journey for, uh, that I was facilitating the journey for, I we didn't really set the intention to communicate with anybody that had passed on, but when she was in that space of the heart, so many dead loved ones came through. And I don't consider myself a practitioner who deals with, you know, those kind of spirits. It's just never really um, come into my path. It's never resonated with me. Uh, So I was just as surprised as she was that all of these dead loved ones just came forward. And it was a beautiful experience. It gave her a lot of closure. It gave her um, a lot of meaning and insight into um, these relationships that she had. And she even met with a dead loved one that she she had never met in this life. She had only known of this person. And so, you know, she became very emotional that she was able to meet, you know, this this deceased loved one on the other side. So it wasn't that she was skeptical. It was just that she wasn't expecting to have that kind of experience, but she was open to whatever. And I wasn't expecting to have that experience. But again, I was open to whatever. And that's just what came about. It was beautiful. That's amazing. And I think that you just having the um, not leaning one way or another, you know, even though you said it it didn't always resonate with you before that, like, I feel like at a vibrational level, you were the template in order. It was like this neutral template so that that energy could come in purely and no resistance of like preconceived notions or beliefs prior to having that session Mm -hmm. so it's like you were like this clean this clean conduit 
mm-hmm. and and that's that's really where it's yeah, at. Yeah, like know? like you mentioned earlier, if they're going to come through, they're going to come right. <laughs> if they're, right. If they want to talk to you, they're going to come through. Yeah, yeah. If you're open to it, absolutely. That's and, oh oh sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to clarify, to clarify with the light spectrum shamanism, it's not. Um, typically going that route so um i know i've had people who have had intentions to connect and um are unable to connect and usually when that happens it's like um i remember my ex-husband had um an issue connecting to his mom for a long time but he she had explained when she finally did connect to him which was years later um that she was Um, silent for a long time because he had to go through a certain level of spiritual work before she would come through and it was more his self-discovery on like um, his own abilities to connect and to stop going through other people for it so that was kind of like his way of kind of getting into that where it was like he almost needed to go to like all sorts of different mediums and stuff first and have um, that lack of connection to be able to start being open to um, trying to turn inwards with it. So sometimes it can come up, sometimes it won't. Um, I know the first few tries that we had done the light spectrum shamanism work on him, he didn't connect and then eventually he did. So it's not something that would happen every time, but sometimes if it's ready, it's, it'll organically come up. It also kind of depends on the individual who has passed too. Um, I know from my own experiences, um, my grandmother, I can, I can usually connect to, um, and we had a close relationship, but also we had a close relationship on, um, more of the, the spiritual aspects. Um, my grandfather, um, her husband has yet to come through and, um, and he was not very open to the spiritual aspects. He was very kind of rigidly um, religious in his beliefs. Um, and, you know, I have to I have to think that maybe that has a lot to do with it. Um, and that, you know, even in his um, in his passed over state that um, that he's still um, very structured in, in that understanding, um, and, or respect uh, as far as that. Um, so yeah, maybe not everybody is going to come through. So it may not be the person. Um, yeah, I, I definitely see that there, uh, has, has to be a spiritual evolution for some in order to even obtain that because there are the barriers, the walls that to, to break down in order to to have that experience. Um, and that I think that has a lot to do with, I, we spoke on it earlier, the veil. Um, but the veil, there's the collective veil, but then there's also our personal ones as well. Absolutely. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know also with light spectrum shamanism, a lot of times I will how people soul travel to the seventh plane of existence and anyone that's not familiar with that you can um look it up online it has a lot to do with like theta healing and the practice that they do in that and um a lot of times we'll call with our heart space for loved ones or spirit guides to come forward if they're ready um and i know 
sometimes for people that have a lot of hopes to connect with past loved ones, um, they'll call with their heart space for them to come forward and they'll come forward and they could see them, but they'll just stand there and smile at them and they'll Mm. try to talk to them and they don't communicate. And that particularly that situation had come up recently with a client and, um, I had explained to her that sometimes, um, it's not the time to talk about things, but they wanted their presence known. So a lot of times that can come up if you're going up into the seventh plane where you'll you'll see their spirit and they'll let you know that their presence is there, but maybe they aren't ready to talk to you about anything or there might be some interference with your own spiritual journey before uh, if they contact you before that place. So with, with uh, you know, channeling spirits and, and, and things like that, um, with our sh- uh, light spectrum shamanic practice, um, is that uh, when we're dealing with veils, um, I think maybe sometimes veils have a lot to do with fear. And since we're in the Halloween kind of you know, Halloween's kind of become a celebration of fear almost, uh, and to either understand it better or to exploit it or, um, to, um, experience it. Um, but what, what relationship to fear does that take place during these, uh, experiences, these journeys that, that you guys facilitate. I mean, what are what's what's something that people are 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 scared of usually? I think a lot of times um, it kind of goes into. I think I mentioned this on a different episode where I had done light spectrum shamanism on an aunt of mine, and um, the first thing she said when before we even began was, "We're not doing witchcraft, are we?" <laughs> I was like, "What?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand the mindset, but it was so like innocent and cute that it was just adorable. Um, I, I hear that a lot too at work. Uh, yeah, it's, the, this isn't witchcraft, right? <laughs> Some um, of it is. It, I'm like, well, I mean, it is if you want it to be. Like, what is witchcraft? <laughs> Define what version of witchcraft you're trying to. You're trying yeah, to like, right. we're not spell casting if that's no. what you're asking. Um, and so. A lot of times I think it's people afraid to tap into their own subconscious. Um, Some people are afraid of what might come up, which is interesting. Um, I get a lot of people that might be afraid of connecting to their inner child because I think they think that maybe there might be stuff that comes up that's too overwhelming. Um, So I think sometimes people are just mostly afraid of like their shadow and the unknown. Um, no, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that as people are usually afraid of things they don't understand. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And what's interesting that I hear a lot is um, people would say, you know, I don't normally trust practitioners to take me to these places, but for whatever reason, I just naturally trust you. And I think it's just the fact that I've done it so much on myself and I have that confidence to help facilitate that for other people that I don't 
one take anyone where they're not ready to go i'm yeah. not going to force someone through an inner child experience if they're not ready to go through that inner child experience if the energy wants to come up and just clear out then sure it'll come up and clear out the conscious mind doesn't always need to process what's in the subconscious mind if it's just ready to be released but um I just honor wherever anyone's at and I don't take them where they're not ready to go. And if they end up going places that, you know, didn't really make a whole lot of sense to their conscious mind, I just explain it afterwards and I take extra time to, you know, explain what it was that they were experiencing. And so, yeah, I would say to answer that question, a lot of it is just people afraid of their own shadow and the unknown. And, and just to quickly touch on the shadow the shadow is the parts of us that we're afraid of looking at or where we haven't integrated um, that can be old wounds or um, you know experiences that we don't always want to look back on but the 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 thing with shadow work is it's integrating those parts of you back into wholeness so that you can transmute it into unconditional love so shadow work is about turning things into light when we bring the light of our awareness to those parts of us it automatically shifts into that light energy so there's nothing to be afraid of with that well said yeah emily yeah. wasn't here for our uh our shadow work we have a whole podcast. episode yeah. on shadow work <laughs> <laughs> yes i i agree with what emily just said um it shouldn't be something people are afraid of it should be it should be something they're excited about. It's learning more about yourself and how to make yourself more whole. Mm-hmm. How to heal those those hidden aspects of yourself, those unresolved aspects of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will admit that inner child healing is difficult. It's rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a little rough. Yeah. <laughs> it it's it's can be scary. Yes, there can be some fear there. And um, going back to light spectrum shamanism, in the context of doing that work, I find that a lot of people are afraid of the lack of control. They Mm. feel they're not, first of all, they're unsure of how much control they have um, in the experience itself. If they haven't experienced it before, if it's their first time and they're just kind of unclear or unsure about what what they're getting themselves into, there might be that fear initially. Until you explain it to them and you tell them that really it is, um, like Kelly mentioned, you're not going to go or take them anywhere that they're not ready to go or, you know, clear out anything that they're not ready to work on. So it really is a comforting and empowering experience. Yeah, I mean, well, we, we tell people all the time, you know, you're not going to miss the things that are meant for you. Mm-hmm. But on the opposite side, you're not going to experience something that you can't handle. Right. I mean, we do live in that free will universe where nothing really at some level can happen to you in that moment, like in a in a session with the light spectrum shamanism that you don't give permission to like you. You are in control. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My partner specifically is very afraid of that. He's he's mentioned he's afraid of what did he say the other day of me picking something up <laughs> he's afraid of entities entities and, like, attachments. which is the most like sensationalized version of what could possibly happen and also the least likely like it's not that exciting yeah it's <laughs> well, kind of like uh just like a quick little thing that happens like exorcisms and entity removals are 
I think um, movies kind of hype it up yeah, too much. Yeah, it's, it's a little overblown by, yeah. you know, movies and books and stories like that. And if it th- if that does happen, I know a lot of good people who can help me out. <laughs> That's what I always tell them. And if, if you are going to experience something like that, chances are you've probably been dealing with some sort of aspect of it your entire life. Exactly. Um, can you Can you touch on that a little bit more? So... I think I mentioned earlier that um, certain entities are outside of our time. Um, so the more powerful ones, the ones that have been a lot brown for a long time, uh, the ones that know how to manipulate the system, so to speak, um, if you are going to encounter them with any specific or significant experience in your life, um, there's going to be precursors to that. Um, in my own experience, um, I have had uh, very intense interactions as a child with specific entities um, that I would not yet understand until later in life um, and would kind of come full circle almost. Um, to where that understanding and awareness uh, was able to happen. So since they aren't bound by our time structure, um, they can know that at some point uh, there will be an interaction and maybe do things to either let the person know that that interaction is going to happen later in life Um, Or, you know, the not-so-nice ones will um, try to do things to prevent certain paths in your life. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, agreements and things, um, past life agreements, um, you know, soul contracts and and whatnot. So it is uh, exceptionally rare uh, in that sense, but it's not uh, unheard of. Well said. Thank you. Yeah, and I think um, also people don't understand that nothing can do anything without your permission. And it's not like, oh, well, you invited it in or anything like that. Um, It's more so like, unless you're doing something to cause certain things, um, it doesn't necessarily come to you without your permission. Right, like Matt said basically there will be signs and it goes back to maybe agreements that you've yeah. previously and made even those agreements can here's the thing with with certain entities that i've i think maybe you're talking about mm-hmm. matt is you know these entities can be very intelligent so they feed into subconscious ways to tempt the human free will um yeah. by getting quote unquote consent in ways that maybe the individual who is more aware or conscious would be able to discern like wait that that would be a sign that i would take a left here rather than a right in life right you know what i mean well and we i mean we can really go super deep yeah. into this with 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 um you know disclosure and soft disclosure and consent and um soft consent through you know media technology um uh, yeah the subconscious um, 
and and yeah it can it there are levels i mean uh when you look into um what uh the the adversary is is really just um essentially a lawyer right <laughs> so a lawyer is uh you know then you you get into contracts and things like that and specific clauses like there's so many intricate layers and and different layers of um consent and um yeah the the entities and energies that have been here since you know beyond conception of uh, the creation stories um, are going to know those little ins and outs and loopholes and things like that. Um, you know, we have the, the scapegoat, right? We have the scapegoat clause, which is, is giving the, the, the goat that is sacrificed um, for some sort of reason you know so um so yeah i mean we can we can do a whole different podcast on that but. yeah it kind of goes down a little bit of a rabbit hole yeah because, i mean i know there's also like circumstances of like potentially living on like land or in a property that um, maybe has like high activity i've done a lot of um like blessings and removals of energies in homes and lands for people um, professionally and you know there's there's been places where I've cleared that you know had pretty heavy um, like curses places over the land and it was making everybody that lived in that area sick and it wasn't anything that was in the water or the soil or anything mm -hmm. it was an energetic thing and um, so sometimes you can be vulnerable to um, like situations like that, but that's more so being exposed to it as opposed to something attaching to you. It just depends. I mean, it kind of goes into like a whole different like rabbit hole of like why that would happen and everybody's yeah. going to be specific. But to talk about just general stuff of just being around those things, it's kind of like being aware of a virus where it's like you're probably around it all day long, whether or not you catch it is, mm -hmm. you know, totally up to different. you. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of times, yeah, maybe we might subconsciously pick up on stuff. Maybe there's something within us that could um, make an agreement like that. But for the most part, it's not something that's like big and scary, like in the movies where, you know, they just make it seem crazy. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, something to add to this, too, because, you know, we're we're delving very deeply into one polarity of this energy. And, you know, for the people listening, we have to also honor that there's the other side. There is the light, lighter aspect. There's the ones, the energies, the entities, the angels, the, the higher galactic energies that can help to protect, transmute and ward off. Uh, this kind of energy so it, and they're gonna it, they're gonna operate in the same kind of levels too they're also gonna experience time differently outside of time so yeah you get those different signals and messages and things um, early on in life as well yeah uh, that may come back to you too you know those things are going to be happening on the complete other side of the spectrum and um, 
you know, we are both light and dark, so we're going to get both if we are meant to experience both. Well, and just in how how long I've been in this, this kind of work, um, metaphysics, new age, occult, healing, uh, energetics, I myself personally as well as practitioners that I, I know and love have had more darkness in general in their lives that they've had to overcome in order to step fully into being a container of higher light so it's like going through that storm in order in order to be other people's calmness while they're going through their storm does that make sense it makes sense because i mean if you really think about it um because what matt had mentioned that we are light and dark um it's the yin and the yang it's the polarity of energies right and so the more you kind of get into this work, the more you realize that it's just kind of polarities of energies. It's not right or wrong, light and dark. Um, it's just balance. It's different energies and different mm. levels of consciousness. And with that, it doesn't necessarily make the consciousness bad. It's just um, if you think about coming to Earth school and, you know, doing the work here, it's like we life would be not evolving had we not had negativity here too because if everything was great and peaceful and heavenly like then how would we ever evolve and grow and understand the difference between right and wrong and understand ourselves because isn't that the point of earth school anyways is to come and evolve and understand ourselves so sometimes the ultimate way of understanding ourselves is through that darkness and through going through the dark night of the soul and coming out the other end and evolving that because it's all about alchemy right we take that darkness and we change it into light and we're constantly doing this throughout our entire life Absolutely. Which is how the name Light Spectrum Shamanism came about, um, because it's honoring a spectrum of light, which includes Dark. All, all sides. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to clarify on that, it's loving the darkness within you as much as you love your light, because a lot of people, they, um, especially with a lot of like religious conditioning and other things um we are taught that our darkness is bad and it should be shunned and it's not honored um anything that you do that is considered sinful you know you must wash yourself clean it's bad it's bad it's bad and we're kind of trained to think of anything that is not of love and light is just something terrible and something that we can never accept and we start creating these programs in our brains that make us feel like okay well this also is a part of me that is bad like maybe even like self-image and other things um and it starts creating different programmings in our brain but the point of shadow work is to love that part of yourself regardless because it is a part of you too and the ultimate act of self-love is loving your darkness just as much as your light and understanding that that part of you needs love too and bringing that and doing that alchemy to change it into light beautiful so to bring it full circle that's that that's kind of the collective celebration of fear, um, mm. which is Halloween, which we now do 
and in some form is integrating our shadow collectively, um, bringing to awareness, you know, what things may be fearful for us in the physical, um, and transmuting that into something that we can identify with within ourselves and um, transmute it into something that we have control over. Uh, yeah, and I think, you know, just with celebrating this time of year, that that kind of turning of the wheel, the new year, um, and honoring, you know, the ancestors and also you know, Kelly, what you're talking about um, earlier about planting seeds of intentions and what you want to want to gestate through this fall, winter, and then moving into spring. A beautiful thing to do during this time is to to make an altar, to you know, get candles and um, foods and drinks and pictures of you know things that remind you of your loved ones or whatever you're wanting to to grow through this this next season. Uh, just make a little sacred space in your home. It doesn't have to look perfect. It doesn't have to look beautiful, but it's just the energy and the intention that you put into that will help um, really root those intentions, hopes, dreams um, into fruition as you as you kind of anchor it into a 3D template per se. Great. Should we go around and maybe share what we'll, what we are all fearful of? Sure. I mean, do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't have to be deep. Um, honestly, I, it, I have two things that are pretty common, but they are still things that I have fear of. I, I have fear of heights and I have a, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing irrational, but uh, irrational fear of clowns. Yes, and I think that's a common the, one. Well, and Matt and I were talking about it in depth uh, a long time ago. But okay, well, he's trying to figure it out, trying to figure out why. You're like Emily, why? Mm -hmm. And I really think it's only because the the clown aspect is somebody putting a mask on or not showing who they truly are, mm. and then pretending to be this happy thing or this this uh, safe thing when who's really under there. So it's the deception yes. that scares you. Yes. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. It's deception uh, of... Uh, it, True intention. It, yeah. It's something good being possibly deceptive mm -hmm. that could be bad. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's totally... That's that's one of the ultimate things to, to fear is, is what... You know, nobody wants to be... I think col collectively as as humans, we have to um, bring down the shame of being, um, you know, tricked. You know, if, if we're if we're being tricked, it shows um, that we still have innocence in our heart. I think. Yeah, I think the blame has to go from the one who was tricked to the one who's doing the tricking, and. Uh, collectively that is a huge stigma and um, creates all of these underlying fears 
especially, <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to know the thing that they have been celebrating or or uh, you put their faith in uh, that they thought was good that turned out to be bad, you know? And, and we can use that example in so many different aspects. Yeah, totally. Well, and the fear thing, or the, the height thing for me is, I'm not going to name names, but there was a family member when I was very, very young who was a bully, and they, I, I don't know, it's maybe like two, and they took me by one ankle and held me upside down over a balcony in an apartment complex, oh, and that God. is where my fear of heights came from. So it's rational. Well, yeah. <laughs> Didn't Michael Jackson do that? Are you blanket? Shh. <laughs> 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 people listening are like what the hell (laughs) um and it's interesting too because like um i think of clowns kind of similar to um how like certain gatekeepers of portals certain usually look like Mm because they kind of look like um like jesters jesters yeah Mm. i think they call them hayokas or something like that um yeah. But I always think of that. So anytime I think of clowns, I just think of those gatekeepers because they try to a lot of times come up and like be all big and scary. I'm like, yeah, OK, go away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to close this anyways. <laughs> so it's it's like the trickster, I guess. Right. The fool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's interesting because in, in my personal practices, I I connect with some trickster deities that are very um for me very safe to deal with so i think just for me it's just the concept of the clown not not the overarching trickster umbrella Mm -hmm. yeah but what about you guys come on like i i shared mine it's your turn (laughs) cicada bugs (laughs) <laughs> oh, I have an irrational fear of cicada bugs. I will lose my damn mind around a cicada bug. Really? I will go pick up a tarantula out of wherever. I'll grab snakes. I don't care. I'm not like afraid of really bugs or animals or anything like that. I'm usually the person that you would call at work to be like, hey, can you can you go grab this like random spider that's in the other room? Like, okay, yeah, let's just pick it up and put it outside. Like, I don't believe in killing things or anything like that. Me too. But yeah. um, cicada bugs, <laughs> for some odd reason. Is it the sound they make? <sighs> I don't know. I, I think it's because of the fact that when I was little, like in Tempe, where I grew up, um, it, the shells. They would stick to your like brick wall. And then they would shed off the shells. And when I was little, I used to like to take the shells off and kind of squish them. Mm. Um, But one time I did it and I thought it was empty, but it had a cicada bug in it. And it started like vibrating and making that rattly noise. And I had freaked out and it got stuck to my hand. Well, there it is. And so since then, like, even as an adult, like, I even have had them, like, accidentally fly into my house and, like... Um, one of my exes was like seeing me run around like a psychopath because I'm like, get it out. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I have never seen you like this before because you're usually very like calm and like put together. The fact that you're losing your mind right now is just hilarious. (laughs) I'm like, okay, yeah, but get rid of the cicada bug, please. And out of all bugs to fly in your house, why a cicada? (laughs) 
Well, hmm. that's that's an understandable fear. Yeah. 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 Totally rational. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, um, fear has always been a constant companion. I've uh, dealt with uh, very extreme levels of anxiety for the majority of my life. Um, it's, it hasn't been, you know, not until, I don't know, in my twenties that I really got kind of a handle on it. Um, and even then, you know, it, it creeps in now and again. Um, and I've, I, so I've, I've studied fear kind of extensively and, um, yeah, it's hard for me to identify like a certain irrational fear, like uh, like heights or or clowns or um, creepy crawlies or something like that. Um, so basically, it's just a, a frequency of energy that you've dealt with all of your life that would be in the spectrum that would qualify as fear overall. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's really, really, really hard to narrow down for me. Um, and so I can't really pick out any one thing specifically. Would you say it's like a, a nervous system overstimulation, like a hypervigilance? Yeah. I think that's that's anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a symptom of it. Yeah. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't really have like that thing that I'm like, oh, I don't have. Oh, the, get that like, away from me. Yeah, I don't have the phobia. Yeah. So much. So Matt has the same spirit animal as me, which is a chihuahua. <laughs> really? I do. I'm just joking. <laughs> I was like, that's cute. Really? <laughs> He's always shaking in the corner. <laughs> Chihuahuas like, just have like absolutely pissing his pants. Right? So nervous all the time, like anxious over everything. Yeah, I would say. And that's only my likes animal. one person generally. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, if we're going to talk about fear, I have to go pretty abstract. So it's like, um, uh, fear of, of disappointing people and, or fear of success. Yeah. So it's not, that is not abstract. That is, that's legit. No, I know it's very real. It's just not fun. Uh, it's, totally. it's not fun to like i can't i can't interact with it you know i can't manifest it um you know physically in in the environment i can't drive by you know the decorations right. people you have can't, it. you can't get exposure therapy <laughs> to it. yeah yeah right. um so yeah that'll have to be a different episode because this yeah. is way too in-depth yeah 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 i definitely relate to that vague sense of just fear of life i guess yeah whatever matt just articulated um and i would say that i've pretty much dealt with a lot of my irrational fears like fears of insects bugs spiders snakes i I overcame my fear of snakes by going to this um animal park out here called out of africa and really connecting on a heart level to this beautiful python and just 
feeling an empathetic connection to how it felt caged in. They pulled it out of a Tupperware bin. It was so sad. I know. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I am not afraid of you. I am. I feel for you. I Mm. feel really sorry for you. So I feel like that was like, I literally overcame my fear of snakes in that moment. Um, And clowns, I... I had a little clown toy as a kid that I called funny that <laughs> like I can't be afraid of clowns. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, yeah. See, so, it's so nice to see somebody on the other side of it. But like, I get it. I get they are creepy yeah. and I, I get why you would be afraid of the deception aspect of it. But I guess if I had to say two things I am afraid of alligators and death. Interesting. Just, like, not what happens after death, but just the process of death for mm. some reason. Like, those final moments. Absolutely. I think everybody has that innate in them somewhere, yeah. yeah. Whether we recognize it or celebrate it, yeah, it's, but it's, it's there. That's super valid. Yeah. Also, childbirth. Uh, totally understandable. Um, so I think yeah. maybe they're linked and that's some, like, past life stuff. Probably. Coming up. That's why I've chosen not to have children. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a scary process. It is pretty terrifying. I still, yeah. I mean, mean, you're literally the portal of, your body is the portal of not just bringing this spirit from the higher planes into the earth plane, but your your physical, your physiology is going through an, it can be extremely traumatic. There are like some cultures or practices where, the the birthing process through you know certain uh techniques and exercises and preparations it can it can turn into something very um like joyous and healing healing and graceful i think some people are just put on the planet to do it yeah you know yeah Yeah, i i I think i think you kind of touched on you were able to articulate what it is about the fear that I fear the most is it's just such a visceral, visceral, just intense physiological event. Mm -hmm. Like I guess any sort of physiological intense event that I could put my body through scares the shit out of me for some Mm -hmm. reason. I don't know why I feel like it would just break me. Yeah. I've done enough drugs to know that it probably (laughs) 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 I've heard it's kind of like it, like it, horrible acid trip giving birth that is well yeah. young young talks about you know the mm-hmm. the spiritual rebirth and and a lot of it has to do with the psychedelic kind of aspect of of being in the womb and and breaking open into this new consciousness um yeah so that's very birth-like but but yeah, trying to contain that and understand it in the physical aspect is a whole nother ball game. Mm-hmm. Some women are pretty badass. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I mean, everybody's looking at me. <laughs> yes, they are. You're outnumbered. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Well, thank you guys for sharing your fears. And for our listeners, if you'd like, you can write into us and share with us what are your fears, rational or irrational, abstract or what have you. Or if you have questions about um, the uh, light spectrum shamanism that uh, we practice, um, feel free. 
Yeah, we just wrote up um, a part on our website at sacredartsanctuary.com and uh, wrote how um, light spectrum shamanism works. So if you wanted to do some reading up on it, we wrote about that on there. Me and Anna just recently did that. And so we'll be at a health fair this weekend where we will also be talking about it. And so you can always look in and see. Thank you everyone for tuning in and have a good evening. Bye. Bye guys. Peace. All of the information shared on this podcast is for educational purposes only based on personal experience. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any form of mental or physical illness. Please consult a medical professional before using any advice given during this podcast. Thank you and blessed be.